ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 26 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time, ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. ComC reached an incredible milestone during this year's national by processing their 100 millionth item. ComC looks forward to offering safe and easy trading card consignment for years to come and continuing to focus on fulfilling their mission to optimize everyone's enjoyment of the hobby. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards on all platforms. To learn more about the exciting changes being made at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Shortly before I hit record this morning, I was filling my fish tanks with water. And yes, I said fish tanks. Prior to COVID, prior to 2020, I hadn't had any pet fish for a long time. But for some reason, during COVID, my interest in having fish again as a pet started to ramp up and it peaked. And last fall, during the fall and winter, I bought not one, not two, but three fish tanks for some reason. Why did I buy three fish tanks? I don't know. I just went all in. I bought a three-gallon tank that you see sometimes in some of the recordings that sits on my desk. I bought a 30-gallon tank, and I bought a 55-gallon tank. And while I was having fun with that for about six months, it's getting to the point now where I'm looking back at that and said, was this a COVID purchase that I went too deep in? And so now I'm starting to have conversations about scaling that back a little bit and getting rid of uh, one of the two bigger tanks so that I've just got the small one and one of the big tanks. And that got me thinking about the hobby. There were so many people that came into the hobby during COVID, during 2020 and the first part of 2021. And now we're starting to see things come off of the peaks. We had a peak in March that's pretty clear regardless of how you look at it. And now we're seeing things scale back. And that got me wondering... What is the driver of that? Are some of these people that came in in the last year and a half, are they completely exiting the hobby? Do we see people who are longtime collectors stepping back? Or are we seeing people who, much like my fish tank purchases, came into the hobby in 2020, went full bore, were buying anything and everything, and now they're being more educated or more selective in the purchases that they're making and they're starting to scale things back. They're finding their area of focus, they're finding their niche, and they're being much more targeted with their hobby purchases. I'm wondering if that's what we're seeing. So much like me going overboard with the fish tank purchases, I think some people were going overboard with their hobby purchases for the last year and now we're seeing some things start to normalize again. Hopefully that is going to help people find a healthy balance. Anyway, curious what your thoughts are. Let me know what you think. If you've seen the same thing, if you had any similar experiences, whether it's in the hobby or whether it's with some other hobby outside of cards, let me know if you've had something similar, if you think I'm way off base with this. 
During this year's national, I spent quite a bit of time at one particular booth, and that is the Singles Club. I'm sure you saw some of the tweets I made about their booth. Dr. Beckett and I discussed their booth in our podcast episode that we recorded live at the national, and I had a blast at the Singles Club. And that is who my guest is today. Today, I've got one of the two men behind the Singles Club, Cody Schmidt. He joins me to talk about their booth, their background, and how they came up with that idea. So we're going to get into that interview with Cody after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors. They break new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. You can find them at udogcollect.com to see what they're going to be breaking this week, and you can also find them at their brick-and-mortar store in Knoxville, Tennessee. You can go and check out their selection of wax, their selection of singles, and you can even watch some of the live breaks right there in the shop. Check them out at udogcollect.com and tell them Wax Pack Hero sent you. Now, our interview with Cody. Cody, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that we get finally get a chance to talk here for a conversation online. I first discovered the Singles Club at the 2019 National. I get thrown off there with, with the year break that we had for COVID, but... The 2019 Nationals, when I first stumbled across you guys, spent some time at your booth in 2021 as well. And so I thought maybe we could start our conversation with the, the singles club at the National. Where did that idea come from? You know, it kind of, it goes back, you know, uh, five, six, seven years. So um, Chris, my partner and I, we, we've, like a lot of people, we started collecting cards you know, we're both in our forties. We started collecting cards in the eighties, nineties, like a lot of kids where, you know, back in the day when, you know, there were cards at every drugstore, gas station. So collected cards off and on all the way from then until probably just for fun between then and probably 2012, 2013. And then starting in like 2013, we started buying some collections. This was obviously long before things exploded like they have. So we'd buy, we'd buy collections and you know, for us, the, the best part about buying collections was always just going through the bulk stuff. So we would go through all the bulk stuff and, you know, and, and, you know, collections didn't cost a lot back then. People were just looking to get rid of stuff, just had a blast going through the bulk stuff. We'd each keep a couple things and it was never really the, the high dollar cards. We'd each keep, you know, let's say there's a, you know, an old Yankee relic or a, an old Rod Carew relic. That's what we'd keep. And then we just get rid of everything else. So, um, we, we did that for a while and then, you know, start in, in 14, 15, we started buying bigger collections. And then we're like, you know, instead of just keeping a couple of things and giving everything else away, why don't we start doing some shows? We started doing shows again. And, um, you know, we were always kind of the, you know, the guys that enjoyed looking through dollar boxes, $2, $5 boxes. So um, as shows got bigger in, you know, 15, 16, 17, and, and cards began to get worth more, we'd go to all these shows and we were still drawn to the tables that had lots of stuff to go through as opposed to, um, you know, the tables that have two showcases with all with, you know, 500 to $10,000 cards, which those are, those are great too. They just didn't draw our attention. So, um, you know, it just kind of evolved where like, you know, this is what we like to do. There's probably a lot of people that do like we like to do and, and kind of go through those dollar boxes and, you know, um, there's a lot of guys and, and gals that collect cards that don't um, have an unlimited budget. So finding that one card that they might love 
Um, it's worth digging through boxes and they just have a good time seeing stuff they maybe haven't seen in a long time. So, um, you know, we kind of just decided there's, you know, especially when you go to the national, you can, you can walk around there and, and, and only go to tables that have huge cards. Um, but you don't have to do that. So we wanted to kind of, you know, that, 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 that niche was probably already full. So we kind of went the opposite way and just kind of grabbed the, you know, the other end of the market for the people that like to go sit down, uh, grab a box and just kind of go through cards and, and see what they like and, and, and pick a card or two out. So, um, it kind of evolved from, you know, a little bit of everything to just kind of focusing on, um, you know, those dollar cards and that's, that's kind of evolved because that's what we like to do. So what was the first year that you set up? Um, we did the national in Cleveland. I think that was, I think that was 18, right. And much okay. like you, I always, I always get confused. Yeah. And so, you know, we were doing local shows. We were doing shows in Minnesota and every once in a while there was one in South Dakota, we were doing those. And, um, you know, we just had a great time doing it and, and we're like, Hey, we might as well, you know, let's go, let's go to Cleveland for a week. And, um, you know, much like yourself, Chris and I both have full-time jobs. We have families and, um, we thought it would just be kind of fun to get out and, and do that. And so, and, and, and in 2018, you know, it's crazy how fast the hobby has gone from where it was in 18 to now. You could just, you could, you could just get a table. So there was, there was boost space available where now you have to, uh, you know, give up your first board to get a table. So uh, we just called and got a, got a couple tables or got a booth. I can't even remember how many we had and, and we were up and running. And it was, it's, it's funny that just when you think about, you know, where cards have gone from 2018 to, to 2021, it's just night and day. And, and I think it's a good thing, but um, yeah, Cleveland was our first show. We had a great time. And uh, you know, since then we've kind of just kind of kept the ball rolling. Yeah. It's the, one of the things that I love about the national is it does truly have something for everybody at all. Sure. And uh, no matter what the sport or entertainment, non-sport type card, and yep. at all spectrums of the price ranges too, right? From yeah, from yeah. the the dollar stuff like you've got all the way up to those six figure type type cards, right? You can yeah. be there and you can go through that. But they're even though those big dollar cards get a lot of the the glitz and the glamour and some of that publicity, there are still a ton of people who just love the 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 bargain hunting, the treasure yep. hunting, whatever you want to yep. call it. I know that I enjoyed you know going to the singles club a few times. Um, this last national and, you know, there was one day that it was myself, Bo from 1 million Cubs project, Dr. Beckett and Rich Klein, all pretty much sitting in a row next to each other, going through boxes and, and just having a good time. And it was a lot of times shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, and with yeah. every card that you've got being a dollar, you know, there's a lot of cards moving through and you're putting out new boxes every day and that type of thing. Yeah. How many cards do you bring to keep fully stocked throughout the show? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think the first year that we went and we have pictures and in, in, in looking back, we always laugh at because we, you know, we could have we could have went there in a Toyota Corolla that first year with our stuff. So um, it, it's changed between the first time and the last time we went. So, um, you know, we had over I want to say we had this last year, I want to say it was over a hundred thousand cards that we took. So, um, you only have so much room in those booths. So we put out, you know, 50,000 the first day, and then we brought out new stuff every day after that, because, um, you know, we want people to be able to come back the next day and look through stuff. And, um, so yeah, we, we bring a lot, we bring a lot of stuff. And then 
I know in the in the past, or at least in 2019, if I if I understood correctly, at, at the end of the show, you kind of sold out the rest of the inventory to Burbank, I believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, did you do that again here in 2021? We we didn't we didn't uh, and and I think and we sold it out the first year too and then uh, we we uh, we came friends with Rob Rob's a good guy so we liked working with them but this time we were like um, you know for one of the reasons is it's much harder to buy collections now than it was because people they aren't selling them like they used to and it's it's hard to find that stuff um, even even the dollar stuff and we we've, we've always tried and anybody who's gone through our boxes um, you know they know that those aren't we're not really selling dollar cards. If it was worth, you know, on eBay or in a book or anything, you know, anything from, you know, 20 on out, we put, we put it in there. So, um, you know, it's not just dollar cards. So it got really hard to find those. And we, we spend a lot of time and a lot of money putting them together and getting them ready. So we're like this time, you know, we're not going to just, uh, let everything go for, for nothing when we leave and drive home. So we, we actually took home the, uh, the extra, uh, this year. So we have a nice start for, for next year. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the, the market is so much different than it was in 2017, 2018, and 2019. It really wasn't that hard to find people moving big collections. We're right. coming off a, a not great time in the hobby. So a lot of people went into it thinking those lower end cards weren't really worth much anyway. So it wasn't that hard right. to find these collections for really good prices how do you source those, those collections? Where were, where were you finding success in, in tracking down those big bulk collections? Uh, well, one thing we, we would travel to go get them. We'd see them listed. And, and I know it's much harder now. Uh, we, you'd see them listed on Craigslist or Facebook and we'd drive all over the place. We, there was many times where we rented a U-Haul and drove, you know, I remember one time we did a 24 hour cannonball run in Nebraska and fill a U-Haul. We did the same thing to Pueblo, Colorado one time. We would just we would just drive and get them and you and you meet you meet people at shows locally that hey you know I collected cards in the 2000s I have them all sitting in my house so sometimes they were you know 5,000 card collections and sometimes they were 105,000 so we would just we would just go wherever they were um, it, it took a lot of time and a lot of effort but like I said we enjoyed it and it was a nice um, you know it was something something different than our regular job so it was just enjoyable for us you definitely have that big presence at the national. You talked about going and attending some shows and looking at things. Yeah. What card-related ventures do you have kind of in that in between the, the national from year to year? Are you selling on eBay? Do you guys have a, a shop? Do you do other shows? What you know, what are you kind of doing in between nationals to kind of keep that that cash flow going or keeping that yeah. business uh, itch being scratched? Yeah, we, we do as much as we can. A little a little bit of eBay selling, not a ton, but we uh, we actually host um, some shows here locally in North Dakota. So I think we have had, um, I think we've had eight in the last year. So we kind of do them in the, in the fall and winter and take the summer off because, because people are out and about. Um, we do some shows in Minnesota. Like I said, we do some shows in, uh, in South Dakota. We've done a couple. So uh, we try to stay active. And if we, if we don't set up at a show, we like to, to drive to whatever ones we can get to. Um, you know, there's, there's some good shows in Minneapolis. We'll go to those. Um, Chris was just at a show in, uh, I think he was in Omaha. Um, he just happened to be down there, um, doing some family stuff. So we'll, we'll go wherever the cards are. I mean, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, there's these big shows, there's like a show circuit now, and we're just going to the smaller ones. So, um, we, we do what we can. You have to, if, it, if it's something that you want to do and, 
kind of stay can stay in the hobby. You got to, you got to keep moving with it. Now, are you setting up at those or are you just buy, going to buy? Uh, sometimes we set up. Yeah. Yeah. If we, if we have the weekend and we can get there, we'll go set up. Yeah. You talked about collecting as a kid. Just curious, what does your personal collection look like now? Are there, are there particular sports players, years, eras, any, anything yeah. that you're kind of collecting now as your, your own personal collection? Yeah, I collect, uh, I collect stuff that's basically worthless. So I like, I like 80 stuff. So, um, you know, I don't know if you remember, but there was a, in 87, uh, Don Mattingly had a, uh, an all-star card, didn't have a trademark on the, on the front of it. And that was, that was a big deal. So that's one of the things I collect. Every time I come across one of those, I buy it. So I, I collect weird stuff like that, 80 stuff, 90 stuff. Um, and of course we also, you know, if you can come across a nice, you know, a, a Tom Brady or a Kobe or something, we, we collect those, but, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, we, we kind of collect the same stuff that we sell just that we, we, you know, we, we find the ones that we really like for whatever reason, it might look nice. It might be, you know, from when we were a kid or it might be, um, our favorite teams. And that's, that's the stuff we collect. I don't, I don't put a lot of pressure. And that's one of the good things I think about the hobby is there's something for everyone, right? Whether you're the dollar box treasure, uh, hunter, or you're buying, uh, you know, hundred thousand dollar LaMelo ball, you know, RPAs, there's something for everybody. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, in, in 2021, there seems like there's a lot of pressure for people to have the most expensive stuff for the best collection. But, you know, for my, my advice to people going into the hobby or being in the hobby is just collect what you like. And if it's, it's worth $5, it's worth $5 and you enjoy it. And you go look at it every once in a while and be glad you have it. Yeah. Some of those random like oddball food issues and things like that. Those are some of the things that I'm having the most fun right now, tracking down, you know, it's not that they're necessarily rare, but they're unique, you know, and they've got a little character to them. And um, some people think it's weird, but like, I kind of like those hostess cards with a little bit of a Twinkie stain on the back or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff just adds character from my perspective. Yep. Same, same exact stuff. I got a bunch of, I collect, uh, I have a lot of the old Kellogg's cards, the, uh, the kind of the 3Ds cards. I think those are neat. Um, just, just random stuff is the stuff that I, that I keep. Um, so yeah, like I said, I think there's, I think there's something in the hobby for everybody and that's what makes it so good. You talked about, you know, having a family as well. Does anyone else in your family collect? Do you have kids or, you know, do they collect or? Yeah, I have, uh, I have two daughters. My younger daughter is a huge, uh, professional wrestling fan. And so, uh, she, she collects wrestling cards and she'll set, when we go to shows, she always bring her a little box of of wrestling cards and set them up for sale. And, you know, it's, uh, it's always nice when she makes a few sales. Uh, sometimes she thinks it just come a lot easier. And I'm like, Oh, sometimes there's not wrestling collectors at the show. So you might not sell anything, but she, she, she likes, uh, she likes cards. The other two, I also have uh, another daughter and then my wife, they just, they just kind of tolerate it. But uh, um, I, I do what I can to keep it away from, you know, interfering with the, you know, every closet in the house. Yeah, my I have two daughters as well, and um, they help me from time to time at the at the shop. You know, they've got a, a small little collection. They're not overly into it. Occasionally, yeah. something will catch their eye, or you know, they'll think something's kind of cool, but they don't necessarily have the the bug like I've got it. Yeah. So, um, but but it is still fun to kind of get them involved. It's fun to have them help out, you know, on the business side a little bit and do some right. of those types of things and. Um, if anything, they probably helped me most with some of the, 
the social media ideas or the, the TikTok video ideas yeah. or some of, the, some of those types of things. Um, they'll help film or they'll help give me ideas on things that I could do that they think would be, would be fun or funny or anything like that. So they probably are most involved in helping me with the, the kind of the social media side of things. That's perfect. You got to get that, you got to get that young uh, perspective, right? Of what's going to, what's going to resonate with people on social media. Cause it's, it's important right now. You've got the website, you've got the Twitter account. Are you guys doing much else on, on social media? Have you guys started to utilize Instagram or TikTok or anything else like that to kind of help build your business? Yeah, I, we have a we have an Instagram account. So mostly it's it's Twitter and Instagram, and that's kind of how we kind of stay out there a little bit. Um, like I said, we're trying to build both those up to where you know instead of only you know and it's and it's tough to sell dollar cards. You know you're not gonna you know mail dollar cards or you, you can, but it's it's just I don't know if it's. Uh, super worth it for anybody. So we're trying to build up a clientele where we do some other stuff, have some bigger sales online too. So just trying to, to build that social presence. And um, for anybody in the hobby, whether you're just showing off your collection or trying to sell stuff, it's, it's important. You, you talked about building some, some inventory of some other stuff. You know, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, you guys have been tweeting more and more about some SGC mail days and some, some graded stuff coming back. Are those yeah. PC items or are those, is that some of those other types of things that you're building up and trying to, to move um, that some of the, the higher end stuff too? Yeah, that, that is. Yeah. Those are things that we're getting graded to hopefully move. So, um, you know, we've graded with, with all the companies and, you know, as, as grading has changed and prices and timeframes, we've kind of um, kind of come to really love what SGC does. And it's not, I'm not besmirching any of the other companies because they're all, they're all really good. Um, but I think SGC has its, its place in the hobby. And I, I think they grade consistently and they grade fairly and, you know, and, and with their time frames and their price, that's kind of where we've, you know, started sending our stuff as of recently. Yeah. Um, you know, in the, in the past, we, when we've graded with uh, BGS and PSA, it was, it was before we've done stuff on Instagram and Twitter. So we would get those back. We just sell them um you know at shows and things like that so we've decided to you know when we get a cool car what we what we think is a cool car we thought oh let's get it out there because some people might enjoy to see these because um you know every once in a while you run across the card that you don't you don't always see so um that's you know one of the kind of the reasons that we've we've uh just started publicizing some of that stuff more and i think it's you know whatever whatever your uh your choice of, of grading is i think it's kind of nice to you know, get them out there and show people that there are options, whether it's PSA, BGS, CSG, HGA, they're all, they all have their, their pluses and minuses. So right now we've just kind of been sending them to SGC because we think that's the kind of the sweet spot for us anyways. Have you utilized Starstock or ComC or any of these other online marketplaces to kind of move some of the, the other pieces from these collections that you're buying? Or have you just kind of tried to move those locally at shows and things like that. Yeah. I've, I've bought from all those places, but I have not, I've not sold, um, on, 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 on C or star stock or, um, uh, but yeah, so mostly we sell them, you know, one of the good things about being, uh, going to national and you saw how busy our booth was, we've meet tons of people. And then, you know, you know, people like that are like huge fans of X or huge fans of Y. And so when we get cards back, we have a lot of people that's like, Hey, I'm buying any, uh, you know, I'll buy any Kobe refractors you come across. So with us, text them, be like, Hey, we got one. And, um, 
if you're interested, it's yours and we'll get it shipped off. We don't, we try to make transactions super easy. And, and, and like I said, you know, I do, I have a full-time job. So it'd, it'd be different if, if, if cards are my living, I'd have to try to scrape that last 10% off, but, but luckily I don't have to. So um, when we get stuff, if we're not going to keep it, then we'll just, you know, we usually have somebody that we know that would want it. And we just get it, get it moving. Have you considered any of the other major or bigger shows, some of the bigger regional shows, you know, Dallas seems to have be growing in notoriety with the show that they're doing there. Houston has some big shows. Those are some hauls from North Dakota. You know, <laughs> the, the, that's not a, a quick trip, but um, with the success and the popularity that you've seen at the nationals, I was just curious if you've considered doing another kind of fall or winter type show kind of mid year to, to kind of capitalize on that popularity. Yeah, for sure. We've, we've talked about it and I think eventually we will just trying to find the one, like you said, it's a haul. So if we were, if you're moving a hundred thousand cars from North Dakota to Dallas, that's going to be, I don't know, either, either someone's going to have a lot of windshield time or there's going to be a, a huge shipping bill. So we're trying to figure out which one makes sense. Um, you know, I know the Dallas show is good. I know those, I have never been to the, the, uh, the fanatic shows in Chicago, um, in this is there one in the fall and one in the spring. I think yeah. I heard that. I heard yep. they're really good. So, um, yeah, I think we are going to try to, um, get out there a little more, just trying to figure out the best way to do it. And, and, you know, as you know, like, you know, it's just setting up at the national, it's, it's super expensive, right? I mean, you got to get there, you're there for a week. You got to figure a way to get your cards there. You got booth rental, you gotta, you know, you gotta feed the people that help you <laughs> help you for the week. So, um, and, and when you're, and when you're only making that back $1 at a time, it can be, uh, you got to make sure that it works financially, but, um, yeah, we, I think, I think we will, um, at some point try to figure out a way to get to some of these other shows. Cause like I said, this, I, I think it's great. You have all these big shows, this, this, this kind of circuit where there's Dallas and, and there's ones in Florida now. And I know, uh, on the East coast, they have a few big ones in Philadelphia and, um, I think it's great. And I'd love to be able to get out there to all of them. If I could, it's, you know, North Dakota is just a little out of the way. Plus you've got the fact that you have to take time off work from the day job. You've got, yeah, yeah. you know, family and all of those types of things that go, it's, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily easy. Um, yeah. yeah I know I was, one of the other things that, you know, I was curious about with having the card side of things with having family commitments and a full-time job, have you had a challenge or have you found it challenging to kind of balance the, the business side time spent with cards and the, the time spent with family and the, the full-time job? Have, has balance been an issue that you've had to deal with at all? Yeah, it has. I mean, and especially, you know, because of the fact that what we do is pretty time consuming, right? Cause you get these cards, you gotta, you gotta sort them. We sort them into sports, you gotta sleeve them, you gotta box them. So some of that stuff can take a, take a long time. You got to go, you know, you might be gone for a weekend when you go get a collection and get them. And so um, I've, I've, I'm, I've luckily I have a pretty supportive wife that uh, um, puts up with a lot, but I can tell when like, she's like, okay, that's enough this weekend. You've, you've been sleeping cards for seven hours where we're done with, we're done with cards for now. So I'll, I'll put the cards away, but, but, but definitely much like, you know, much like you, I'm sure you have to kind of in the back of your mind, keep track of, okay, I'm at my regular job this many hours. I'm at the shop this many hours. I'm at home, you know, mailing stuff this many hours. I gotta, I gotta make some family time too. So, um, 
you know, for, for a long time, as we were, you know, those first couple of years, as we were gathering all the stuff we took to the first few shows, we, we did spend a lot of time getting ready. And I think I've done a better job recently here, kind of, kind of balancing that or, or doing it, you know, either early in the morning or late at night when everybody else is sleeping, just so I'm not always doing cards every waking moment when they're, when they're up on the weekend. So. Yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of my time is also early in the morning. I'm an early riser. And yep. so I'm able to get quite a bit of stuff done before other people wake up on the weekends. And so that's nice. Or even before I go to go to work in the morning too. Yep. I always like to also just, you know, ask people because, because I'm always curious where and what other people are watching, listening to, and, and learning from, are there any um, podcasts, webcasts, anything like that, that you are a, a big fan of that you kind of are your go-to sources for hobby content? Yeah. You know, I, I got a dog, so I'm always taking my dog for a walk. I listen to all of them. I listen to yours. I like uh, um, Sports Card Nonsense, the one from uh, Bill Simmons' site. I think yep. those guys do a good job. I think I think that one's interesting. I listen to Card Talk. Um, there's a couple other ones I listen to, but you know, any all the all the big ones I listen to to Eric's, and so yep. um, it, it's nice to get different perspectives. So when I'm out there for a half hour, whichever one's got a new episode, I'm in. So um, you know, you can you can learn stuff and um, anytime you can, you can, you know, one of the things I think that people get in trouble with, or not in trouble, but they kind of, in this hobby, they'll focus on one thing and they'll kind of get like, okay, I'm only, I'm only buying this guy and that's it. And then they, and then they kind of lose, lose sight of the fact that, Hey, there's, there's other sports, there's other guys. So listening to that gives you ideas about, like, Hey, maybe I should think about collecting X or, you know, I haven't, I haven't bought a, you know, I haven't bought a, whatever, an Albert Pujols card in a while. I'm going to go find an older Albert Pujols card. So um, I, I try to be out there and listen to all of those. I watch, you know, at night when everybody finally goes to bed, I'll, uh, I'll throw on a, a, go to YouTube and watch some of the, some of the uh, YouTube content providers. I think they're interesting to see what they're doing at some of those big shows that we've talked about, see what's out there. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's all interesting. I, I really enjoy the hobby and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to any of this stuff. At a minimum, I know that I, even if I'm not interested in collecting it, I'm learning about it yeah. so that when I see that kind of stuff in a show or in a collection that I'm scouring or somebody brings some of that stuff into the shop or whatever it might be, I'm more knowledgeable about what it is and what's good and what to keep an eye out for. And so yeah. even if yep. I don't want to collect it, I'm learning by yeah. listening to the, that wide variety. You know, I don't have a lot of graded cards in my collection but I want to learn about them. I want to learn what to look out for. I want to learn those pricing discrepancies between one grade company or, you know, one grading company and another grading company so that I'm more educated when I come across that kind of stuff. So that's one of the things I love about the landscape of hobby content that's out there. Yeah. 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 You have, you know, the great thing about when you watch some of those vlogs is you see it from there are people who vlog from the customer side of, of a card show there's people who record, just set up their, their recorder while they're, while they're the dealer there. And you can watch their, the highlights of their deals and see how they interact with people. So yeah, definitely a, a lot to learn. And, um, you know, I think the sharing of information in the hobby has gotten, you know, much greater than it was even maybe two, three, four, five years ago. Everybody seemed to kind of, you know, have their niche and try to keep it secret. And that's, that's not really an option anymore, right? Because everything's out there and there's so many more people in the hobby that, you know, you, you got to share that information and it's, it's nice to be able to learn from, you know, learn from people who like, 
if I was going to go do a Dallas show, I'd want to talk to people who do it and be like, you know, are there people looking for dollar cards there? Because, uh, you know, when you when you hear people talk about the Dallas show, it's, you know, that's where the, that's where you go for those high end slabs, right? That's just people slinging tens of thousands around. So I'd, I'd want to know and be like, is, is anybody going to be there looking for a, you know, a dollar card or a dollar relic? And so um, it's nice to be able to see what else is out there. Well, I appreciate you spending a few minutes tonight talking, sharing a little bit more about what you guys are doing at the Singles Club. Anything else that you wanted to, to hit on today that we didn't get a chance to cover yet? Well, I was just going to ask you as a, as a shop owner, uh, what are your thoughts as this Fanatics thing is like deep in the you know horizon? It's, but it's coming, right? It's three, four years will be here before we know it. So um, I, got, I got my thoughts, but I'm interested to see as somebody who runs a shop what, what their thoughts are. Yeah, the the kind of the unique setup that I've got with our shop, kind of the the shop within a shop situation. Yeah. One of the things that I hear most people be a little bit concerned about with this fanatic situation is the availability of of new wax and what that's going to look like. I don't necessarily have that issue for me right now because part of my arrangement is the main shop that I sublease from, he's the only one who is selling the brand new wax. Okay. So I don't have to worry about stocking or um, anything like that, or what that's going to look like if they kind of cut things off or reshape what those um, hobby um, hobby com- configurations and that type of thing are. Just like in this last two years, I haven't had to worry about allocations because I'm not selling the brand new stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. And so with my focus primarily being on singles sets, older wax, you know, from junk era and, and, you know, up through the last couple of years, I haven't run into that. And I think that type of thing is going to continue to have demand going forward. Right. There's, I've, I've told people, you know, we don't know what the future is going to look like, but we do know there's a hundred years worth of cards for us to collect from right. sports and non-sports right. and that type of thing. And I don't think any time in the near future, that demand or that desire or that interest in all of those cards that have already been released, I don't mm-hmm. think that's going away. Right. So for me, I, I'm optimistic. I'm curious about where things are going to go. Um, but I'm not, I don't really have any angst about it at this yeah. point. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because I think, you know, there's there's kind of two ways it can go. Like, you know, fanatics can be like, you know, let's let, you know, this model has been around for a hundred years. Let's kind of keep it how it is, how, how people, how consumers get their cards and uh, let's just let, let it go as it was, or they can kind of turn it on its head and just completely change how people are able to get their cards, whether it's, you know, you can call, you can go on to the next website and order 50 lamella ball rookies direct to your, your place. So I'm, I'm interested to see as, as a, you know, cause they're a direct consumer company, right? They, you know, they're not, uh, you know, they didn't, they're not going to go after these licenses to, 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 you know, just limp along. They're going to try to, you know, do something big. So I'm, I'm interested to see if, if whatever that is three, four, five years from now, if it's like, there's this big delineation of, okay, this is how cards were collected for a hundred years and that's gone. And this is how they're collected now. So, um, but you know, whichever way it, it does shake out, I, I think it'll be fine. And like you said, there's always going to be people that are going to be collecting the stuff that was, pre-fanatics right to whatever it looks like afterwards there's always going to be those collectors um that are like hey i i like tops i like bowman i like panini and that's what i'm going to collect and they're going to be the ones that want whatever 
you know, whatever Fanatics puts out. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm optimistic. I think it'll all work itself out one way or the other. The hobby won't go away. Um, and, you know, I, I think it'll probably be bigger five years from now than it is right now, which would be good for people like you who own shops and, and run shops. So um, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I think, you know, and it change is inevitable and we see change regardless of industry, regardless of what topic in life that we're talking about. And oftentimes there are companies driving and leading that change, right? But yep. it seems like from my experience, there's a couple different approaches that you can have when you want to see that change come as a, as a company, right? You yeah. can either hit it like a battering ram and knock people upside the head and mm -hmm. it's all at once and just you kind of wipe the slate or oftentimes you can find more success by gaining buy-in by shaping and influencing and yeah. making those incremental steps towards the future that you want to see. And I hope that that's more of the approach that we see if they do have a vision for something very different than we have today yeah. at the hobby. My hope yeah. is that they go more of that influence route and shape via incremental changes versus one big giant sweeping right. battery yep. ram. Yeah. You know, you know, when you see, you know, when you see them talk about, they want to be in the, you know, the production, the distribution, the grading, the auction house, the storage, like, um, you know, to, to me that, you know, that, that puts it, uh, that, that changes things a lot, right? Like if you're, if you're truly want to be this one stop kind of, you're doing everything here, you know, I could see a situation where if you're fanatics and, and you want to do it like that and you know, you're putting out whatever, whatever your top end product is and whatever the top rookie is, you might be like, okay, this, this, this super fractor or this one of one or whatever, we're going to have this logo, man, this is going to be auctioned off. This isn't going to be in a box or a case. This is we're, we're printing one of them and it's going to go up on our site on Tuesday and it's a seven day auction and whoever bids the most gets the, gets the, it's the Lamello, uh, our, our Lamello uh, logo man. So I could see stuff like that happening. Like, like you said, though, I, I hope it doesn't. I hope it's a little more of a gradual change, but uh, you never know, right? When people with new ideas come in, they might be like, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to sell the, uh, the logo man in a, in a $200 box anymore. We're going to sell it by itself for, for $200,000 and, and do it that way. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, the, the next several years are definitely going to be, uh, interesting to say the least. Yeah. And like I said, I think that, you know, everybody's always, uh, seems to be waiting for the, 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 the hobby to, to go back where it was 10 years ago. They just like, they're, uh, you know, they're like, Oh, it, that, a price went down, you know, for three days and the sky's falling. I just, I don't, I don't see that happening because with the exposure it's getting from, you know, social media and other people and, you know, fanatics deal. I just think there's going to be so many more people doing stuff with sports cards as, as either a hobby or profession five years from now that it's going to be good for everyone. Yeah, I, I think so too. Well, Hey, let people know where they can follow you and follow uh, what's going on with the singles club. Yeah. Uh, our Twitter handle is at dollar cards um, at singles club was taken, I suppose by a bar or something. So, <laughs> so we're at dollar cards and then on Instagram we're we're singles club sports cards. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to, uh, getting out there a little more and looking forward to, uh, seeing everybody in Atlantic city. And, you know, it's going to be a blink of an eye and it's going to be July and August again, I think. And you have a website as well, right? 
not well we we sell some stuff at uh singlesclub.com but not not much we do most of our stuff on twitter okay so yeah that would be that would be i would uh we're most active on there so sounds good well thanks again yeah. for joining me and uh I look forward to seeing where you guys are and what all you're going to be bringing in in 2022. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll save you a seat again. I want to I want to see you there for a couple of days. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Yep. Talk to you later. All right, bye. The Sports Card Shop is your small town local card shop with a global reach. Located in New Buffalo, Michigan, the shop is one of the most accessible in the Midwest. In addition to being an authorized Panini direct dealer, the Sports Card Shop carries all major trading card brands, including Tops, Upper Deck, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and more. With all that new wax, a half million singles, and showcases full of graded cards, you're sure to find something great for your collection, whether you're just starting out or a seasoned collector. The Sports Card Shop is your one-stop shop. So call us, come see us, or visit us on the web and social media. Our phone number is 269-469-0140. Website is thesportscardshop at moco.com. The Sports Card Shop is part of the Moco Retail Group, connecting sports, the hobby, and people around the world. Thanks again to Cody for coming on. The Singles Club is a place that is modeled after my own love of low-end cards. We have that same passion and we both celebrate the fact that we can provide a bunch of low-end singles, inserts, and relics to other collectors like us. So it's a fun conversation. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it too. I hope you check out the Singles Club at the next national as well. Let me know what you think about the conversation today. Reach out to me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer. Send me an email at WaxPackHero at gmail.com. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at WaxPackHero, and I'd love to get that feedback from you. And I'd also love to hear any other ideas for topics that you'd like me to cover or people that you'd like me to track down and have a conversation with. That's all I've got for you today, so I'll catch you next time.